Welcome to the Modern Woodworkers Association, a podcast about woodworking from folk who woodwork. Woodworking is what we do, who we are, and what we like to talk about. So join us as we have a drink, sit around, and talk woodworking. Hi, and welcome to the 277th episode of the Modern Woodworkers Association podcast. I'm Kyle Barton of K. Barton Tools, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Diami Plotke of the Penultimate Woodshop and Sean Wisniewski of the Corner Workshop. So, guys, how's it going? Good Real morning. Good. How are you? Good morning. <laughs> good Cheers. morning to you, too, Ooh. sir. Good morning, sirs. <laughs> yes. I'm eating popcorn. It's in the morning. <laughs> yeah, it's breakfast of champions right there. You know it. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a it's a long second from uh, cold pizza. Yeah, that's Ooh. true. That's true. Yes, yes. Well, with that, um, so what's piqued our interest around the uh, interweb since well, we last spoke, uh, Diami? I've discovered that we're available on iHeartRadio, and that's just no. fantastic. No way. Absolutely. It's like we're real people now. (laughs) Exactly. I'm not even going to touch that. (laughs) And by the way, listeners, any commercials they put ahead or behind our our, uh, podcast, we do not get any benefit from. I listen to a couple of shows that are produced by them, but I don't listen to anything on their platform. Mm -hmm. Um, Do they actually inject ads before and after? I, I honestly don't know. I would assume so. Most of those types of uh, outfits do. Okay. Yeah, I've, I've heard Stitcher. Yeah, like Stitcher does. And mm-hmm. back, okay. I think Stitcher even, uh, um, they even reduce the bandwidth of the program. That I know they do. Like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, so, and put ads in, and yeah, exactly. So I would assume iHeartRadio does, too, because I think that's where they make their money from is advertising. Well, no, the, clearly that's, that is where they make mm-hmm. their money. Because... Yeah. So, yeah, I assume I assume anyone that listens on. Oh, if we have a listener out there that does listen on that heart radio, please feel free to uh, drop us a line and let you yeah, let you us could, know uh, there are commercials there. Uh, on Twitter or Instagram. Yes. Mm-hmm. The only social media platform that matters. <laughs> you know, the, the I had to get that in early. There. You know? I just can't do it in time. <laughs> Well, so let's talk about what's in the shop. Diami, what have you been working well, on? Since we, uh, since or we last I chatted. Say, what have you completed? Yeah, I, I want to say that last time I was uh, sitting down for a recording with you guys, I was talking about how I was about to start this project. I, I think it was, on the, it was on the table per se in terms of the plan, but I, mm-hmm. I had not actually begun. Um, so now I'm happy to report that a, a mere, I think, it's, I think it took me three weekends. Um, mm-hmm. But a uh, mere three weeks later, my new fireplace mantle is 100% finished. Yeah, it looks absolutely fantastic. It Very really fancy, does. too. For sure. Thank yeah, you. So it's, tell us a little bit. What, what's the construction, construction it's, behind um, that? It is constructed entirely of MDF. Okay. Um, as I mentioned in a previous podcast, I was thinking of making it in, um, in plywood mm-hmm. or, um, or, or full wood. But... Because it, I wanted it to match the craftsman trim I have on a window. And when you look at the fireplace, at the mantle, right now it does not look a craftsman style. So I do realize that. Um, but I have traditional craftsman trim 
on a uh, on a bay window that is in the same room, and the the trim around the header of the window for the window consists of a thin piece on edge that's about a quarter inch thick, and then it's a I believe it's like a one by six, and then it's a mm-hmm. five quarter piece that's on edge also above and the. The quarter inch, the five quarter inch piece up that are below and above the one by six, not only they're on edge, but they stick out proud on the face and the sides to make a nice, nice shadow detail. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a fairly traditional craftsman style um, trim. And I wanted to do that on the fireplace, but there was a couple things is there was, uh, there were brick, like these, um, they're, tr- they're roughly triangle-shaped, but they would be flat on the top and come down at an angle of brick sticking out of the, the brick surround of the chimney, and they held up a mantle originally. Okay. Um, and this is a case, one of a number of things, where the first weekend we had the house, I threw away something and haven't yet replaced it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so This mantle's got to go. That's, it was exactly it. The mantle did not survive the first weekend in the house, and now here how, we are how 11 years? years later. Oof. Eleven years later. Yeah. Yes. So, yes. Um, so the 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 new mantle, I didn't go crazy with demo. So the new mantle is boxy in that it hides those uh, triangle shaped sections of brick that, mm-hmm. that would support the old the old mantle. Um, so the new mantle, the top is uh, true one inch thick, and then it's got a, a big vertical, and then the bottom is a quarter inch thick, and, it, and the top and the bottom stick out proud on the face and the sides to create very similar shadow lines and reveals to the trim on the window. Um, And it was my plan initially to uh, paint the entire mantle white because Mm -hmm. um, I personally prefer trim all painted a nice semi-gloss white. And I I feel that while the rooms in our house are all very different colors, um, this is in the living room, which is a yellow tone on the wall. Um, the fact that all the trim in the house is white, it's clean, it's, it's, it's simple looking, and it ties the rooms together even though the, the wall colors are different. Um, right. So I think there's some, something unifying about the white. But the face of the mantle is about eight and a half inches. And my wife and I were discussing it, and her reaction was that there's, that's just too much white. Um, it's too mm-hmm. much. So... When we had that discussion, I had already fabricated and installed, but not yet painted, the mantle. Okay. <laughs> okay. So there was so you're not... going to do that all in place? Excuse me? You were going to paint it in place? Yes, yes. I was going to paint okay. it in place. Um, okay. I had already uh, applied wood filler to the open poured edges of it and kind of sanded them back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um but I was gonna, I was going to paint it, paint it in place, and it, it, you know, it gets caulk. It's a painted trim piece, so it gets caulked to the wall, and then I did some painting of the wall immediately around it, and ended itself. And I actually painted the brick below it, and it was not a big deal to paint in place as opposed to painting it beforehand. Plus, it was, it was basically assembled in my living room because I still have an entertainment center slab in my on my table saw. <laughs> um, I wasn't gonna pry, but I was gonna mention that. Later. Yeah. So this was this was cut. <laughs> You know, it was, it was all made out of MDF sheet goods and biscuits. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's glued together. I've, I'm happy to report that even though it's 100% MDF, there are no no metal fasteners in it. Um, that's not true. There are there are two screws. Okay. 
Is there any fear of the biscuits breaking out under tension or anything like that in in the MDF? I'm going to say no. Years ago, in my old house, um, I made a a drawer unit in a closet. We had a a double-wide closet on a wall. And what we actually did was we ripped out the divider. And you know how closets will often have, like, a little, like, six or eight inch wide wall and then it's door. So you have this little like pocket behind that little wall. That's hard to reach. Mm-hmm. So we ripped all that down and then we hung a curtain and got a really ornamental fabric, uh, curtain made in the front. So we could just slide the curtain back and forth and we got full access to the width of the closet, but that made the closet. The closet was probably in the ballpark of eight to 10 foot wide by, how deep is a closet? 24 inches, something like that? Something like that. Um, yeah, so, wow. Yeah, so in the middle of the closet that used to be a divider and, ma- and two separate closets, in the middle, I made um, this bank of drawers that in the middle was a spot for essentially a stereo cabinet that held an amp and a DVD player at the time. And I built in fans and an IR controller and all that crap. And... Above that were some open shelves, and below that were drawers. And that lived in the closet behind the curtain. And that that whole unit was made out of MDF. And that was all biscuited together and glued together, and okay. I never had an issue with that. So okay. um, mm-hmm. the mantle as it stands currently, the top of it rests on those uh, those brick supports that are integral to the, to the fireplace. And then... Okay. The face of it, the big vertical piece, is biscuited and glued to the top. And what I did was I took the the face of it is essentially a, a U shape because it's got the face and the two returns. So I biscuited that together and glued it as a U. And then I biscuited and glued that to the top. And that was one thing. And I put that on the fireplace and... On top of the brick, there's a piece of plywood that is fastened into the brick. Okay. Just like a scrap of plywood. The mantle rests on that, and then there are Mm -hmm. two wood screws that I screwed down through the mantle into the plywood to kind of lock it on. Okay, that makes sense. And then I went with thin coats of wood filler over the screw holes and sanded it in another coat of wood filler and sanded it. It went back like four or five coats, but it's... It's completely smooth, and now that it's painted, you can't tell where the screws are. Um, so they're they're now invisible. But then once I had the top and the face glued on, and I realize I'm describing all this. If anyone checks my uh, my Instagram feed or my Twitter feed, you'll see pictures of it. Um, not necessarily in construction, but but uh, the finished piece. I think I posted it unpainted, and then I just recently posted it painted with the tile. Um, mm-hmm. But the bottom has to be notched around the brick that surrounds the chimney. So I, I mounted and installed the top and the face, and I had the bottom rough cut, and I held it up, and I made marks on it, and I made a template, and I did some futzing back and forth to get the bottom marked out properly. I cut the bottom out, made sure that it fit properly, and then I essentially held the bottom in place, traced where the, where the vertical section meets the bottom with a pencil, took it off, put a nice heavy bead of glue, uh, and I'm just, I was using Type On 3, I think, because it was the Type On I had, but I'm just using regular wood glue. Um, right. And 
I, I put the glue just inside my pencil mark and I put it back in place and I had my son help me hold it while I put a whole bunch of clamps on it and I clamped it all together and the next day I took the clamps off and it, there it is. So the bottom is just the, th- the quarter inch MDF, so it's not particularly heavy, but it's just glued to the underside of the rest of it. Uh, it doesn't mm. even have biscuits hmm. in it. Um, and I, I, I don't know. Like I, I'm, not, I'm not nervous about it. Maybe I'm cavalier and it's, it's going to fall off, but um, <laughs> I was, I was I fine. It. I mean, how much – there's not a whole deal, a great deal of – Force in the in the in the direction that would fall off. So I don't see it. See, yeah, it's a just it's just there. the gravity acting yeah. on that bottom piece of MDF. Yeah, that's that's all it is. So I, I don't think it's going to go anywhere. Yeah. So no. Um, yeah. So so we I built this thing and then my wife and I went back and forth about what we're going to do about it. She's like, it's too big to paint and blah blah blah. So we decided we were going to tile the face of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and thankfully the top and bottom projected. Oh, I think the bottom projected half an inch past the face and the top projected three quarters of an inch. It's a pretty, they were pretty deep reveals yeah. on both the top and the bottom. So I, we essentially had the depth that we could put tile on it and they would still stick out proud of the tile. Mm-hmm. Um, which was dumb luck more than anything. It was not my intent to tile it when I built it and installed it. Um, but, but well, we, it looks, it looks fantastic. I, and those I, are some, I agree. Those are some you, unique guys. tiles that you have there too. Yeah. That's, um, that was on Amazon of all places. We bought the tile. No way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we went to the tile store. We went to the big box stores. We bought a couple samples of tile. We were like, nah, none of, we didn't like any of it. And it's, yeah. um, it's a Mexican tile with, there are all these ornate patterns and it's a, mm-hmm. it was a box of, I don't know how many tile, but I used like two thirds of the box to do it. And, there were anywhere from one to four copies of each tile. So we, I made essentially a story stick and we laid out all the tile as yeah. they would fit on it and kind of rearrange them. So it was a pattern we liked. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I put them on. I was talking to tile people. This is the second time I've tiled. I'm not by any means a, a, an expert tiler, but I was anxious about the ability of thin set to stick to that slick factory surface of MDF, which is what we were asking mm-hmm. it to do. Um, mm-hmm. And, the couple of mortar companies I reached out to said, no, you can't. It won't stick. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So I was going round and round, and my dad recommended me this acrylic primer that you can use that will stick to the MDF, and then it creates a surface that then the thin set sticks to. And to get a gallon of that would have cost me like almost twice as much as the, all the MDF did. I was like, this is <laughs> getting ridiculous. So I took two tubes of $9 caulking, um, it's a, it's a product called M1, which is made by a company called Chemlink. We use it at work. It is an unbelievably strong moisture cure urethane sealant that sticks to just about anything. And mm-hmm. it can be used as an adhesive. So I put a couple beads of that on. I took a notch trowel and troweled it onto the MDF and stuck a tile on. And if I just pushed the tile in and held it for like 10 seconds and I let it go, it wouldn't even slide down. Um, hey, there you go. I made a couple samples of this on vertical piece scraps of MDF to make sure, yeah. and I, I tried to, pr- I could not get them off. Um, so, I'm, I'm sure it's going to stick. I mean, we've been using M1 for well over a decade. I, I have no qualms about it, and it was eighteen dollars of caulking, not one hundred and fifty dollars of acrylic primer that I then had to then set over. Um, mm-hmm. So that stuck the tile, and then I grouted it. 
the top and bottom, there's grout, there's two courses of tile running horizontally, and there's grout in the horizontal joint between the tile and in the vertical joints between them. But the bottom and top joints that are between the tile and the respective MDF trim at the top and bottom, I did not grout those joints because I'm figuring there's going to be some movement there between the MDF and the tile. So those joints I caulked rather than grouted. And I got mm. the, the color-matched caulk that matches right. the color grout. It's just a white grout. It's nothing um, yeah. nothing fancy. Um, but I think that should do fine in my past times when I've done tile on wooden pieces on that outside edge, I've always used caulking rather than grout because it's, it's more flexible. Um, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's uh, that's what I did for the mantle. Um, and then, you know, of course, I finished it just in time for Christmas decorations to go up. So right now it's got all the uh, stockings and stuff hung over it. And having had years where we basically hung the stockings on just the bricks around, it looks so much nicer now. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Good to finally check that one off, huh? Yeah, and it's well, it was th- three weekends of you know around all the other crap we do in a weekend, really spending mm-hmm. as much time as I could on this project to get it done in three weekends, and um, it, it's nice to have have just any project done, even if it's not one that was on the list for so long. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the tiles are just fantastic. I mean, that's going to be a real focal point of that room. Yeah, yeah, no, it yeah. really is. Yeah, that's very well done. Thank you. Yeah. Does is the stink of any urethane glue or adhesive being used in that subsided by now? There's no smell. Even when I did it, there was no smell. Oh, that's pretty good. Um, it's it's not a polyurethane; it's a moisture urethane, which I okay. I'm not sophisticated enough to really know the difference. Um, but it's a very low. It's not. There's not no smell when you put it on. But it's not a strong smell at all, and it dissipates very quickly. And um, by the by the afternoon, I don't think I could smell it anymore. Oh, pretty cool! Nice, nice, nice. So that's nice. Uh, that's what's been up in my shop, and now I'm back to staring at this uh, this GD <clears throat> center that I need to I need to finish. What all I need to- dyed, uh, dyed up, filled, epoxied. You got it all ready to go, right? Um, I've, I've, <laughs> I'm up to, ah. I'm up to re-epoxying it now that I've sanded the finish back. You know, there you go. I think you've hit on some inspiration. You should use. You could tile it. <laughs> mm. Well, uh, the tile project that I have had forever that I haven't done yet is we have a bay window in the front of the house and. The dogs have destroyed the uh, like the sill because the uh-huh. little one f- and the big one <laughs> have enjoyed getting up in the sill to look out the window. And we've moved the piano and covered it in plants and stuff so that the dogs can't get on the sill anymore. But the sill is still pretty much, uh, you know, it's just badly scratched and damaged. So mm-hmm. what we decided we were going to do is tile that rather than try to f- patch up the wood. Um, so that still remains to be done is to tile that surface. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, the entertainment center is going to get uh, epoxied and dyed purple, as God intended. Um, <laughs> what I what I really need to do is clean my shop because it's at the point now where I could spend somewhere between a half hour and an hour a day, and in the course of a week, make huge progress on it. Mm-hmm. But I can't reach it now; like it's just covered in crap. Um, so I really need to spend a couple hours in here cleaning so that I can work on it. 
Yeah, that's fair. I I took a chance to clean up a you know at least the bench of mine of my area because it had accumulated just crap over time, and uh, it's it's uh it's a good feeling. Might it as well is. Do it. Oh yeah, yeah, and I do that all the time. Maybe I'm just one of those anal guys, but I can hey, only get retiree. Yeah, but I can only let my shop get so disorganized before I got to stop. I'm not doing anything else. I got to clean everything, get all the tools back to their home, and you know, yeah, I mean, then yeah, go it, from there. Yeah, it was that, but I will admit it was a year plus, maybe multiple years of that plane sitting out there just because I didn't put it away when I was done. And it it has a house. It it it, it has a drawer and a place that it sits in that drawer, and mm-hmm. it was just sitting out there and like. There's some surface rust, you know. I'll treat that some other day, but at least it's away now. It was, well, it, you know, yeah, y'all are gonna hate me, but yeah, when I guess I am an old attentive, or hmm. I have some sort of uh, compulsion uh, because today. So the last thing I had to do was this glue up, and so before I glued up, I went, all right, that's the last thing I have to do. I'm cleaning the entire shop before I do this glue up, so I don't have to do, you know. Do the glue up, set everything aside. I'm done. When I come back in the shop to take everything out of the clamps, everything's clean. I'm ready to go to my next step. So, anyway. No, I, that's I'm, just the way I am, I guess. I'm not critical. I'm only <laughs> envious of what that is because I'd love to do that. I'd love to act like that. I'd love to be like that. I I hope to be like you when I grow up, Kyle. <laughs> oh, it's... No, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway. So, well, let's uh, move on to our main topic. So, we want to talk about a little bit uh, some of the more detailed work that Sean's been doing lately. Yeah, I mean, a little bit about epoxy. We've talked about this before, um, and in pre-show, Diami mentioned a little bit that um, – you know, when when it comes to epoxies, uh, fillers and and frankly the you know the brand that you go with the the hot ones right now West is continues to be and then Total Boat has made a res, you know a, a yeah. upcoming in the last kid on the block yeah but and it's been I think I'm sure they've been around for more than a few years oh, yeah. but they be they're the what seems to be the current go to for uh, um, a layup epoxy and and then if you want something thicker then you've got to add add thickeners mm. which was the the silica that I had spoken with before and Diami has a larger vat of that than I do but a tub, um, if you will a tub if you will um, <laughs> but but so far I mean it's working well and it, you know what I what I found um, so I've got I've got the West systems stuff the fast hardener with the 105 resin. Now, how fast is that set up? Yeah. I mean, I mean, you got your five minute epoxy uh, and then, then the West systems I have is I just bought the slow setting epoxy. So, you know, you got like what, 
30, 40 minutes worth of working time before you got to worry about it. Yeah. I would say you may even have more than that because I believe the fast advertises. I don't have it up in front of me. Yeah. And it's, some, it's something like it's like an hour of working time and it cures in six to eight hours in okay. in, in the right conditions, 70 degrees and whatever yeah. humidity, you know, like the perfect thing. So it it is a set it and forget it kind of epoxy. You you have to think of that when you're doing different applications because it will run drip or otherwise mm-hmm. if not dealt with now what i did find now, is it is it thin is you know i know the long setting i use is a relatively loose thin thin it's mixture. It's, yeah. it's still pretty thin i think it just okay. it, it does set up faster but it's not five minute fast it's okay. it's hour fast yeah because your five minute epoxy is really kind of thick yeah, it is. And so this 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 pours. I mean, it yeah. legitimately if you put a I, I, I stir it with like the fat um, tongue depressor type mm-hmm. sticks. Mm-hmm. Right. And and if you pull that out of the cup, it just pours right off it. You know, it is it's thin. Um, and this stuff is older, which I don't know if it changes the characteristics all that much other than color. Um, color is not a concern of mine, but um, it uh, where was I going to go with that? It It is um, when you get to the. Th- thickeners i i did find out and i i don't know what it does to the um the strength and and other characteristics of it i i don't believe it affects it greatly but when you put this colloidal silica in it it really thickens that material up to the point where if you you can put enough into it that it it's like thick peanut butter which is beyond five minute epoxy as far as that, but you still get the working time with it, so you actually can mold it a fair amount. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. So what I I didn't make it that thick, but what I was doing when I was when I was filleting the uh, the fins to the rocket, basically your your the fins uh, leave uh, perpendicular to the tangent of of the cylinder of the rocket, right? Okay. And to strengthen them, you put fillets, which are just curved lines of adhesive, on the mating edges of those two materials. Um, it just it just smooths the transition between the between that. It's a it's kind of a an abrupt ninety degree joint, and you want to kind of smooth that out. And so there's a lot of measuring and masking and all this other stuff to get like what I wanted for for the the where that fillet was going to go but i so once it was masked off and i then i kind of played around with the thickness of silica i added little bits at a time kind of trying to take a mental measurement of it i wasn't measuring it per se okay. to, to thicken that out because it was like you know like a scoop with a tongue depressor maybe two mm-hmm. you know like what does that do and seeing what it you know as it went and i found i found a a, a, a thickness that i was happy with and it was still able to pour out of. I'm just I'm I mix this stuff and I've got wax paper Dixie cups, which works fine for epoxy. Come to find out, it doesn't stick to it, which is interesting. After it's cured, you can actually crack it right out of it. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So you don't need to buy those, even if they're a nickel. Huh. You don't have to buy the the mixing cups. Um, well, I have a box I, of like 500 of them. I got on Amazon for. Yeah, and so and I've got I've got sleeves of little Dixie cups from God knows what preschool project ten years ago, right? Like (laughs) I don't know, 
but I've got them. And so I've been using them and, and I mean, it was like a happy accident. I was like, oh, I yeah. wonder if the wax on these is pulling in and, and doing anything. And no, legitimately, like it, I can pull it off the sides of it and the epoxy doesn't stick to it for some reason. Yeah. I have these little plastic Dixie cups I use, which is fine. But yeah, they do. If you know, once you're done with the epoxy, if you have any left over and you uh, kind of set that cup aside, it will kind of deform a little bit because yeah the so from the epoxy that, builds up yeah. with with a paper wax like it, every once in a while and yeah. i was never working with it too long but i did yeah. feel a little bit of i mean it's it's an exothermic reaction that's yeah. the curing process so um i notice it but because it's not quick acting it doesn't like flare up with heat um but obviously paper wax isn't going to be as susceptible to a, a thin plastic or anything like that right as far as that exposure um but i did I, i've noticed the heat of it um but i've i i kind of i i don't know if it's necessary it's, it's not necessary but i i always leave out what i'm worked with to as to kind of know when it's cured okay. mm-hmm. so you know, you you leave that you leave your your spreading stick in your little mixing cup to the side of whatever you just applied it to that you have a good idea of in your current environment. My basement is not ideal. It's going to take a little longer to cure. Mm-hmm. But uh, I and I and I, I checked it like four hours after it, I went down, you know, applying some of this stuff, thickened, whatever. And I picked up that cup and I moved that little popsicle stick and it bent it bent very very slowly but it was able to pull the epoxy a little bit i said okay so Mm -hmm. this isn't quite cured yet after four hours that's fine and to feel it and i like i was you're able to you're not going to leave fingerprints on it but you can tell the texture isn't quite done Mm -hmm. um and it was still tacky like okay but but because this this is a it's a simple design with three fins around a four inch tube Mm-hmm. You essentially have two laid out at uh, 120 degrees. Yep. Is that right? My math right uh, there? So Sure, sure, math. Sure. <laughs> 60 to either side of, of perpendicular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think you're, you're good. You're going to do those fillets that you see if those the two of those wings are kind of pointed outward and upward. So you're going to do those two, and then you just let that go. Okay. And then so, once that so, dries... So I got to go back to my uh, um, RC plane hobby days when, oh, I was, sure. when, sure. when I was a teenager. So do you put any fiberglass against that and epoxy that in around those fins? So no. Okay. Um, there, um, maybe on some because, because I know when we used to build the wings of, you know, RC planes, mm-hmm. which, you know, is basically a torsion box mm-hmm. and uh, all the ribs and all that stuff were actually done with doing CA glue. But when you got to where the two wing parts joined together, which would be like where your fins join your, your tube there, your fuselage, right. Um, that we actually wrap that in, fiberglass um and epoxy that together so that that joint was as strong as possible yeah no that that is um that 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 can be done Mm. in certain cases that can be done um i think on subsequent builds i might look into that there are guys that take these i mean the cardboard tubes you can get them up to i mean i've seen builds done with like 11 inch diameter cardboard Mm. you know 
but if you're going that big, you're going pretty heavy, you're going to be propelling it pretty powerfully, you need to resist certain things. And so you, some of these guys will wrap the entire tube in a layer of fiber or two of fiberglass wow. just to strengthen, strengthen the body. Mm-hmm. But what's, what's, um, what's also typical though, with this larger design, it's not, they're not surface mount fins. Mm-hmm. They actually penetrate the tube and are filleted epoxied, call it whatever what you want mm-hmm. in, inside on both the inside diameter of the tube face but also okay. the outside of the motor tube case so it's kind of there there's you know that the motor tube is a is a concentrically smaller ring in there and the fins yeah. atta- attached to that in a oh, specific okay. spot yeah. and then you've got rings that centering rings that kind of pinch either side of it so that that inside there is trapped in and with the exterior fillets it's actually got three epoxied connections going into the tube so it's it's pretty damn strong in that so way. they're dominoing them um yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean kind of I, I mean i mean you, you well it's more i mean i'm using just trying to be funny here. No, but, I know, so, I know. <laughs> but but so actually, so you got like tenons piercing. Yeah, they do. They are, yeah, the, ten, the, the um the wing as you see it from the outside is. And not these are integral tenons. Yeah, they're yeah. part of the actual. Yeah. Uh, stabilizer. Or, yeah. Thin. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So they what you see from the outside is not what is actually the the whole story because it does yeah. go inside and it's secured inside. Uh, yeah, very much like a a, an, a tenon, not a not a floating tenon, but it is yeah. it's it's tenon into the tube, and um, even um, I actually just received uh, some parts today for my son's high school project. These are they're smaller diameter, but um, they're being laser cut for these for the wings to go into them. So mm-hmm. I I just at some at some point. The exterior, just you know, hope and pray that that thing is actually mounted properly. And in your case, in like the plain things where you were epoxying, you know, red uh, like like a fiberglass sheet on there, mm. like it doesn't become as necessary. These right. these when um uh when I got them chamfered, um I then reinforced that chamfered edge with like a CA glue just to yeah just to stiffen them. No, no, it wouldn't have to be because, yeah, when you're bringing the two pieces of the wing together, you were basically doing a butt joint. So you needed that fiberglass wrapping to. Yeah, yeah, because that's, a, that. yeah. that's a naturally it's a strong yeah. wing in only one direction. There's a whole right. lot of forces that could snap that off. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, you need to protect against that. And that's something again, maybe maybe down the line, I'll look I'll I'll look into that depends well well yeah if you got if you got the the uh actual fins piercing uh that then yeah i don't think you need to worry about it at all yeah that's yeah. not a weak yeah it's not you know it's just, it's a super strong point and yeah. and even i mean the the fins themselves are quarter inch plywood and those those are strong in pretty much every direction as well considering they are you know 14 inches long at the connection point to the two mm-hmm. I mean, they're big. Um, 
that's uh, I mean, I, I, I shared a picture of, of it in our show notes so you guys can get a sense of of what that is. And there's there's happens to be a paper towel roll next to it, which pales in comparison to the size of that damn tube mm-hmm. that, that they connect to. And it's, it's, yeah, it's uh, impressive. Yeah, it's a uh, it's it's fun. I, I um as it sits, I, I I took it upstairs earlier and it weighs just about four pounds. And that's before any paint or or actually all the innards and definitely not the motor are installed. So it'll be it'll be up there, which and it's not up there. But, you know, considering according to some simulations, this thing's going to go Mach plus. Um, it's it's I don't know. It's it's all just kind of science fiction and, and, mm. and fancy. You know, it's just, it's not it's not good wood woodworking by any means, but it's uh it's kind of a cool little uh little side jaunt I'm currently on. Now have there been any like techniques to where you you've seen like, oh, this is the way we typically do it and you think, Well, from a woodworking perspective I could do it this way and probably do it faster and easier. For sure, for sure. Yeah. I mean, when when um, when I was chamfering those those wings, I mean, there mm-hmm. were there it, it it is legitimately woodworking. You're dealing mm-hmm. with with a, a material that you want to impart some sort of bevel on, and and there's you know you you could just sand till the day's gone dark, but you know it's not um, there. There's a better way, and so you know. Holding it properly, jigging it properly, and and you know putting a hand plane on it does something. I you know don't love hand planing plywood, but um, and uh, but just uh, there there are definitely woodworking techniques to that, and it's it's a matter of scale though. I think you, I guess I mean you know you could woodwork to any scale. You know, mm-hmm. if you're making tiny models, you know, you you've got it. You've got all well, different gonna, characteristics. Yeah. And go ahead. Yeah, you know, if you're if you're if you're good to me, I figured maybe I'd get you some of those Lee Valley Veritas mini planes. <laughs> and- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, actually. Oh, so so yes, what I were. what I did get on on Amazon was yeah. a pack of uh, I guess they're just rubber. But they're basically sanding guides for um, hollows and rounds of different cool. diameters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so the fillet I I put on there was roughly a three quarter inch diameter fillet, um, and so I measured it out. It was like three sixteenths off of each edge. I had all sorts of scribes and and rulers involved in in getting that to be uh, to be consistent. And um, but then once I applied those fillets to sand them, I've got a block that is a three quarter inch uh, bull nose, you know, that I can just wrap sandpaper around and rub it back and forth, which makes it incredibly easy. You know, there's there's little things like that. And that is. I don't know. I mean, the kit I got has like 20 different pieces that going ranging from a 16th inch to to quarter inch in V's and rounds hollows mm. and 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 prominent or whatever you call the opposite right. um, and there 
I don't know what else I'm going to use them for, but I've got them now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't know that, but I could, I could totally, you know, that's an easy way of dressing. Uh, you know, if I needed to just, you know, touch up a, a, a fared curve on something, I've got a, a myriad of, of different dimensions that I can put a piece of sandpaper to and, and kind of have a, a way of guiding it in that mm-hmm. without, without wavering too much. Which is actually, I mean, it's kind of cool, but yeah, I mean, they're, yeah, I mean, they're, they're definitely, um, definitely techniques that, that, uh, that bridge the gap, I guess, between what I've done and, and learned in woodworking and, uh, into model making, you know, I, and, and I, I like the fact that this is large scale model making. This isn't stuff Mm -hmm. that is, I, I legitimately can't hold it in my hand. It's as tall as me, you know, as, as it stands, it's, it's big. And there are, there's, there's ways of going even larger. Um, it's, and then it, it it'll, it'll continue cause I'm going to get into finishing it. And now I'm not going to finish it with anything that I would finish. Most wood. it's going to be right. paint, rattle can paint to begin with at least. Um, but uh, you got to put, you know, like a coat of shellac on it first. <laughs> <laughs> I might, you know, I might, I don't know. We'll see. Um, but it, it does, uh, it does go into the, uh, if you're spray finishing, mm-hmm. you know, how do you do that safely, cleanly, uh, you know, so that you're not making a terrible mess, you know, you know, something this big, you could liken it to, a cabinet that you built, you know, yeah. if you're a spray finish that, what are you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm in the Midwest in Northwest Ohio in winter currently. Yeah. You're um, screwed. I sure as hell I'm, I'm not going outside, you know, yeah, to do yeah, because that that's my source is going outside. Yeah. Yeah. Anything and, I got and spray is outside in the right time of year. It absolutely yeah. is here. But for me, yeah. I, I've got to, I, I'm probably going to, separate it it can kind of come off into three large pieces Mm -hmm. and i'm probably going to treat it in that way so that and i'm still probably going to build a small bit of a spray station Mm -hmm. that i can handle i've actually got um it's i don't even know why why it was made but uh, this woman that i used to work with gave it to me it it's a bit of a a small spray booth it Mm -hmm. is a fiberglass tub with a uh, a, a sh- um, like a holder for an air filter on the back end of a metal fan, okay. and so it's basically a a, dra- a downdraft or backdraft kind of shape. Yeah, I know. I know. Like um, scale model makers, you know, mm-hmm. uh, have like little um, miniature spray booths for airbrushes and stuff like that. So, wonder yeah. if it's something like meant for that. It seems like that, and like she, yeah. she was in this business of like carving gourds and and finishing them, yeah. and I think there was like a shellac style finish. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I'm thinking about installing that in a bit of a of a just a smaller kind of plastic and and you know third hand whatever you know that I can kind of just build up, but having that evacuate the air through an air filter, so that everything kind of gets drawn through and away. I, I hope that's enough. I'm going to, I'm going to play with that. Well, it, you need, it needs to exit out to the outside though. 
Well, and that too. Yeah. I, so far, and it, it's not big enough yeah. to cause too much problem. This is a school project, right? No, this is for me. Yeah, no, I know, but but your your well, your your son's <laughs> within the school project, right? Yes, I mean that's just, I mean I'm talking to his mentors at school about this, so yes, in that way, you know, it's it's it is. Um, they have a gym on a Saturday. Uh, I can't. <laughs> no, no, I'm just joking with you. No, uh, you know, as you'd say that, I don't even. I don't have a spot in my office that I could do this. No, no. I um. That's I, that's that's the issue because if you try to spray that in, you know, I'm sitting here looking at the picture of where you're at. Yeah, that's my and how big this thing is. <laughs> even if you break it down into parts, I mean, you could spray it, but everything in that area is going to be coated in a fine mist. Well, and that's why I want to. I want to make a small, like, you know, a, a, a shower space of plastic. It's not going to work. <laughs> Trust me, I, I've I've been down this I've been down this avenue. One time, I uh, tried to spray in my shop, and um, I built these um, use these foam panels to like seal off half of my shop. Mm-hmm. This is when I first started getting into woodworking, okay. and I was going to spray paint. Uh, the stuff actually I spray painting enamel paint, so maybe that's <laughs> the problem, but. So I spray painted this piece of enamel paint and, you know, like I had exhaust fans, you know, under garage doors, you know, all this kind of stuff that you're supposed to do. And after I did that, even the, the stuff behind the panels was coated in a fine mist of white paint. I mean, it, I mean, you could, you know, barely, you know, take some um, uh, just some, you know, 409 or something and, and it would come off whatever you were on but there was this fine mist over everything and uh so i quickly learned that yeah you really got to have some massive exhaust fans and fresh airflow not only the exhaust fans you got to have the fresh air coming in to be exhausted to uh to get that overspray out of there even with you know so anyway, that's just my experience. Your, no, no. Your mileage may vary. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm 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 treading incredibly lightly with this. I'm <laughs> I. Uh, now that was with you know HVLP setup. So um, you know if you did something smaller like with airbrushes, maybe I don't know. Yeah, no, and yeah. It, that's the thing. Like I'm thinking right now, rattle cans, which are way more than than either of those. Um, yeah. I. I so far I've done small items with it's you know enamel um w- between my son's rocket and a, a couple other small things uh that I've had down here mm-hmm. and I essentially sprayed them into a trash can like with the spray going into a trash can with mm-hmm. a little little bit of backing you know to kind of keep the the overspray down and then hung them up and the fumes didn't get to me too bad they didn't they didn't permeate the house by any means but that was stuff that it was less than 5 minutes of of application it was really quick it was and and done mm-hmm. and uh yeah i i know that that is a very big concern for for that reason this thing may stay pretty bare for a few months Mm-hmm. Uh, because I I would rather I absolutely ten inch shellac ten inch shellac ten inch yeah. shellac 
I, I've got some. I, I've got to get it opaque. I mean, I can tint shellac all the as much as I want, but I've got to get it opaque first. Milk paint. Milk paint. He has shellac still- it, then put some milk paint over it. Sand that back. It'll be great. Trust mm. me. Won't add any weight at all. Mm. I, I seriously not a concern. I mean, I, I, I can handle it. The, the, the motor. The motors that I'm looking at using it have anywhere from 30 to 60 pounds of thrust, and it weighs, it'll probably weigh five once it's done. So that will throw it far up into the sky. That's that's really the goal. Mm-hmm. So weight weight is a factor. Weight will affect it, but not, not too, too drastically. Now, the picture I'm looking at, you got a nose cone on this thing. So mm-hmm. I assume that's... Uh, some sort of plastic nose cone. That is, that's a, a pretty typical blow molded plastic cone. It just happens to be 16 inches long. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'll try not to make any jokes about that right now. Mm-hmm. Anyway, moving right along. So, mm-hmm. so is that where the uh, the parachute and all that is? This like a typical? Is this like a SS rocket on steroids, or am I missing something? Um, it actually has a capability of being what they call dual deploy, which okay. means there's two parachute systems. Okay. You have one at Apogee, which is actually more central to the rocket, and you can't quite probably see it from the from the image, but um, uh, roughly, well, a little more than more than halfway up. Um, I actually have a coupler in there that is screwed, and there's a there's a section of body that is almost two feet long towards the nose cone. That separates out. That's okay. actually what's going to blast off uh, in this application. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I can exchange that for something that will both, when it's at its peak flight, it will burst open one parachute that will slowly descend. But then at a lower altitude, the nose cone would pop off and put a bigger parachute out mm-hmm. that would slow it down for the final descent. Which is something. I mean, even the the SpaceX and those they use that kind of terminology in in an application. Um, you 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 don't want to do what my son did for his first rocket, which was put it three thousand feet in the air and just put up one parachute because then you're at the mercy of nature and wind, right? To float that thing down, and it took a half mile and the better part of four or five minutes for it to fall down. So you the, know the goal then with the with the dual parachutes is to let it fall as low as possible quickly mm-hmm. and have the the big parachute deploy just uh, late enough to to stop it or just early yeah. enough to stop it. Yeah, and at the launch I went to with the the high powered guys, they were they would talk about that and to say this is it, it's so and so. You know, doing it, it's got a weight of this much. It's got a rocket that can do this, or the motor that can do this. It has dual deploy. You know, first at apogee, which is the the roll point of the rocket kind of falling down once it's done rising up, and then uh, main at five hundred feet, main at three hundred feet. You know, whatever. You know, you yes, for sure. You you want to see it fall, and it, for the for the inexperienced as I was at the time, and I still probably am. To see something that is falling very rapidly uh, from the clouds 
and then go, oh, my God, because it's hard to gauge what is 200 feet or 500 feet from the ground. Oh, yeah, it's you know, it's impossible. And 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 you just go, oh, my God, that thing is really cruising. And then poof, another, you know, some other event happens and this bigger parachute opens up and it ends up floating down at at a reasonable speed and it lands safely. Um, Then the flip side of that is the uh, the non-event case which we we got to see which was a guy who had like a seven inch diameter rocket it weighed 13 and a half pounds it was a big boy and it went up and i've never i've never in my life heard something go truly ballistic <laughs> where from a, it was about a half mile away from us and we could hear the howl of this wow. whistling down and we later saw a guy carrying a shovel out to go find it <laughs> it it buried itself because it turned into a dart mm. but but something is you know you've heard the stories of like you know a penny off the empire state, state yeah. building would kill somebody this thing was 13 pounds and it went a thousand feet in the air i don't even know I mean, it was up there yeah. and but it turned and it came straight down with nothing stopping it mm-hmm. so that's that's in the back of my mind as i'm putting all this together and figuring out all the different pieces of recovery and 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 how all that works you know that's uh that's crazy but anyway talk enough about that what i want to touch on also and briefly um is something that i dealt with with my son's rocket um he is doing hemispherical wings okay so they're they're a four inch diameter um, and then they have a little tab that inserts into the, into the rocket itself, but you want to chamfer that edge. And, uh, they started with like three sixteenths balsa wood. And then I got some quarter inch plywood. And, and so we were dealing with this stuff, but the challenge of getting an accurate chamfer on a curved piece like that. And I, I, I understand it's fairly unique to this application, mm-hmm. but we tried putting a, a block and a, a belt sander, you know, and trying like using that block as a guide, mm. and then and then sliding it back and forth, rotating it across, and just watching the pencil line that we kind of defined of what is the midpoint and what is the 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 uh, point on the face that we want to reach to kind of make the the bevel. Um, that is an incredibly challenging task. Could you use a spoke shave? <sighs> yeah, I mean that's the thing. You you could holding mm-hmm. it and working on it isn't is tough enough as it is because in this case you kind of you're going from the extreme end from one end to the other, and so how do you hold that? Shave if horse. you're going to work on it <laughs> with the shape horse, hold it with a pattern maker's vice. <laughs> a pattern maker's vice would do it. Would yeah, absolutely. And that's the yeah, thing. Yeah. See, 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 my default thing is a shape horse, <laughs> and the Amis is a pattern maker's vice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I could probably clamp your shave horse up in my vice. I mean, so I, I'm I must say, I must say, the new HT Gordon pattern maker's vice. Mm. Pretty. Oh, it is pretty, and it's functional as all get out. But Boy, uh, I think we've digressed a little bit. Anyway, <laughs> no, you're fine. So that's fine. what you need. You need an HT Gordon pattern maker's vice. Okay. Or rockets. Or rockets. Yeah. So I I I was I cut out the just 
with a jigsaw, just some rough shapes of wings for him. And then I clamped uh, my belt sander to a, a, a sawhorse, you know, and said, eh, let me try this, you know. And it was it was OK to do it that way, but it was less than accurate. And and when this is kind of a game of precision, not so precise because I saw what he's produced in class and it's not that good and it still worked really well. Um, it's kind of interesting, but, it, you know, in my in my mind, in my my engineering mind, I was like, oh, no, this needs to be this precise along this curved edge on this bevel, you know. And that that is a again very unique to the task at hand, but it is that is a challenging operation. And I even with a spoke shave, I mean the spoke shave just makes it slower, and because of that you can kind of watch what's happening a little easier. But um, and I I legitimately had my spoke shave out, like I I tried it, I I worked it a little bit, and it 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 just yeah it was going to take too long, and I didn't want to sharpen that blade. <laughs> but uh um it's a i i don't I, and i can't think of another application where you'd have to do this but imagine having three sixteenth inch material on a radius and wanting to put a knife edge on it you know how what could you do how would you do that without you know, you can do something where you have like you define a center point, you hold it, you then clamp that. So that's a rotation point. You know, there's a perfect system way of doing mm-hmm. it, but that may be over. So, so can you clamp it to get it secure? Oh, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. the the what's available when you clamp it might be a problem just because the, it's not huge. It's a, a four inch hemisphere yeah. is only two inches tall and four inches wide and a curve. I almost want to say, and I, I could be totally out of here by this because I just can't visualize it in my mind. Um, but if I'm visualizing it, like I think I'm visualizing it, could you use, use like an end kennel gouge, you know, where the, where the bevels on the inside mm-hmm. of a gouge and not on the outside. I mean, you, you, Probably could. I don't know. I don't know you, if that you, would work or not. I'm, I'm, you, you don't want I'm, it to I'm be spitballing here. Yeah, no, no. But you, you don't want it. You don't want it necessarily to have any round to it. You, you yeah, want it you to be. Those, I mean, you could yeah. you you could use a, a a chisel. You know, if if that's the case, you know, uh-huh. to to do the same work. But the material isn't the the most forgiving. Yeah. To chisel well, 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 the chisel, I'm just saying that the, on the end kennel, the, the bevels reverse. So it's on the right. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I don't know if that would work or not. Probably not. I'm just. Yeah. I've seen I've seen guys that have made angled uh, sleds mm-hmm. to ride up against a belt sander on edge. And it was I, I didn't I didn't concentrate on it too much but there was something in all the all the mounting system there was a gap i think where the business was being done so then you could rotate right through that gap okay and you there were held everywhere that could be held while allowing the work to be done to what was free Mm -hmm. 
and that just gets complicated. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, CNC. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe Valley come out with a kit. Well, yeah. So those two answers are very true. CNC and and Lee Valley could probably figure it out. Absolutely, if it was at all necessary. I don't um, know. I, I guess I'd just have to see it better. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm having trouble visualizing it in my mind. Yeah, I, I'll shoot you a, a picture of what I've done with what uh, what I did with the belt sander. I and and it uh, it kind of shows you what. I, I can I can show you what it, we're trying to do, but it again is, uh, yeah, it's it's just difficult. But um, it is, Diami, you absolutely hit it on the head. If you had CNC, you I know you could do this because you can define definite angles on radiuses, radii, mm-hmm. and you can you can do that kind of stuff. Um, I don't yeah. have that at my disposal. Um, I know a few guys, but yeah. I'd, I'd like to think this was done before CNC was invented. Oh, I'm sure it was, but yeah. As as I'm finding out as I as I dig into this this hobby more and more, that a lot of the enthusiasts are um, rocket enthusiasts. That's it's a no brainer, I guess. But true, like military rockets, sounding rockets, and all these experimental things that they did in the '60s and '50s and '40s, and they're all scale replicas of them. And what they were doing. And the the scale shapes that they were dealing with um, now, not not hemispherical, like what my son's doing. And that's Mm -hmm. for stability. There's some science that says that's a better way of doing a certain thing. But there's there's a particular wing shape that is trapezoidal in cross section. But not it's like it's a diamond shape i guess mm-hmm. it's more more diamond shape i guess in its cross section where in the center of it from the tip to the base it is it gets wider and that is wider than the front to the back of it as well hmm. okay. it's very interesting yeah and that that's what i was wondering you know i don't guess it i don't know just a question i had um is so none of the "Quote unquote stabilizers, fins on these rockets are any type of airfoil shape. They're all kind of wedged. Yeah, they're they're guidance. They're not uh, lift. Exactly. Like an an airfoil. Yeah, yeah. You don't want them to force it one way or the other. Exactly. Um, There are systems, um, as far as I know, in military applications, and so then it's a little more detailed at the scale level where there are." upper intermediate stabilizers mm-hmm. that actually have pivot control wow. where yes. they they'll rotate yeah. in their position to always try to force it one way or the other or be controlled to drive it one way or the other mm-hmm. i think that's part of navigation systems on some of them okay because i mean if you think back to like the gulf war when the patriot missile was going out there that was a directed missile mm-hmm. you know yeah yeah and so yeah. it had to have some sort of navigation with it that it wasn't just static wings in the back. Yeah, yeah. You're not worrying about lift here because you got mm. the, the rocket engineer. Yeah, the, the, the thrust is at the back end. Keeping this lift. thing going, you know, vertical. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's mm. the goal. So, mm. yeah, that's just a just an interesting little uh, um, kind of a thought experiment on what's the 
what's the best way to do this? And where is that edge of necessity and actually capability? You know, you, you don't, you don't have to take it perfect, but the more perfect you get, the better. Yeah. You know, well, well, I think this is interesting because, you know, like I said, I used to be involved in the RC hobby and I've been in hobbies my entire life, model railroading, (laughs) all kinds of stuff. And, um, it's kind of interesting because when you come from those perspectives and you learn the intricacies of those hobbies and the solutions they found is sometimes those apply to your next hobby or maybe it's a hobby that uh, you go wait we used to do it this way there i remember when i first got into woodworking they talked about ca glue and i go oh yeah we used to use this stuff called hot stuff in the rc (laughs) stuff and i went oh they still sell it okay there you go (laughs) yeah different name same stuff no no it's the same name hot stuff no, well, name. okay, same name, yeah. but yeah, now that, everybody. What, that, yeah, it was. We knew it as CA glue, but the brand name that was popular at the time was called Hot Stuff. And when I was in uh, Woodcraft, they had Hot Stuff sell in there, and I went, "Yep, I know that." Yeah, I mean, that was <laughs> that to me was super glue. Well, like, oh, like exactly. super glue was CA glue. Oh, okay. Yeah, because because no one can say cyanurolate, whatever the hell it is. Yeah, exactly. And the reason they called it hot stuff is because anybody that's glued their fingers together before it knows it's kind of hot. <laughs> anyway, but uh, yeah, that's that is fascinating stuff. It, it really is, and that's I yeah. think that's why I kind of have gotten sucked into it. It's there's there's all sorts of variables and all sorts of of uh, well ideas, and and then the scales range. Mm-hmm. It, and and talking about uh, a hobby in general, I actually just saw a post today where a guy was, uh, I think he legitimately was a bit of a retailer, but he had a collection of kits ranging from small to large, but in such an numerous uh, storage facility kind of way, he, he put it up. He said, yep, $10,000 for the lot. Go for it. Like, holy crap. Like, wow. Like, yeah. And to find out that the largest scale of this stuff, you're talking about throwing thousands of dollars away in a moment. Mm-hmm. And that's not because anything goes wrong. That's what it costs to just put it up. Yeah, yeah. The engines and all that. Yeah. It's a rocket. It yeah. is. <laughs> I know. I know. But it's a hobby, right? I mean, that's the the dichotomy, I guess, is, you know, unless you're doing something with it, it's a really expensive hobby. So I'm trying not to make it terribly expensive. <laughs> yeah. OK. <laughs> All righty. Well, with that said, um so, what are our fortnightly beer choices? So, uh, Sean, what are you drinking tonight? So, I'm going to go to a thing I haven't had yet, but Ooh. I haven't. I have in my fridge a prequel. It's a prequel, and it, it's it's. I I will say because um, I I I do drink a fair amount of beer. No, um, no, yes, no, no. Tr- it's true. Not in that ever in excess normally, but I. Um, with the advent calendar that we're currently going through, Diami and I, 
that is dedicating at least one fancy beer a night. And I kind of have a hard time going to another. But anyway, what I did pick up the other day was the Goose Island Bourbon County Stout, I think it is. This is so bad. I, you like I, it? I haven't had it yet. Um, it uh, A co-worker of mine told me about it, and he said he really liked it, so it was worth me getting. Um, it is in a lovely bottle, uh, but other than that, I can't really give it too much... Uh, too much I, I have no interpretation of it because I again I haven't had it it's I assume it's going to be a boozy because it comes in at like 16 17 percent uh, and it's a it's a stout aged in bourbon barrels I've I've uh, I've been down that road before <laughs> <laughs> you know so uh, I uh, but I, I still think it I'm I'm a huge fan of trying so uh and and I I have it in my in currently in my I don't have a beer fridge like Diami I just have a kitchen fridge and so it's in the back of that fridge right now just waiting for a free day where uh maybe after Christmas when the uh when the advent calendar is done Yeah Well I'm drinking a uh I guess high production beer but uh, the Stella Artis, I'm drinking their seasonal beer, which is a midnight lager, which is actually not bad. I have not seen it. Um, yeah, it comes in a black bottle. Oh. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's a Stella beer, and um, it's kind of unique. It's a Belgian beer, um, but they say it's... Uh, uh, has subtle notes of Belgian dark chocolate. Um, it's 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 kind of a stoutish beer, but it's also light. So it's kind of it's a midnight lager. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's not bad. It's pretty good. Excellent, excellent. Well, I've been enjoying the uh, homemade seventy-five minute from Dogfish Head, and it's uh, they they market a beer called a seventy-five minute. Mm-hmm. And it is mixed 60 minute, 90 minute, hence the 75 minute. Um, the problem with the one that they sell is that they add maple syrup to it. It makes it a touch too sweet. It doesn't need that. Um, if you go to one of their uh, one of their brew pubs, they'll mix it at the tap and make true 75 minute. That's that's just the pure 60 and 90 mixed together. Or you, you get a bottle of each and, and just pour it like a black and tan. Um, but it is utterly delightful. It's it's a little sweet. It's a little strong. Not too much by any means. Um, it's got t- subtle flavors to it. A little spice. It's just it's a really good beer. Um, if you can mix a sixty and a ninety minute IPAs together. What what do you do in your case? Are you um, did you mix two twelve ounces together and had a very large mixed drink, or did you? I have a one liter mug that I will sometimes dump the two twelve ounces into. Okay. Uh, but more often than not, I will take out two pint glasses and just make two of them at the same time. Okay. Are you careful about how you pour them? Uh, I try to pour them with no head, which is sometimes more successful than others. And mm-hmm. I try to approximate by eye when I got to half a bottle. It's by no means an exact science. Sure. Um, so it could be a 70 or an 80 minute? Yeah, I suppose it could. Sure. Yes. Because, yeah, then it's like, do you do 90 first or, seven, or 60? I don't care. You know? Oh, okay. 
It's I'm, just not, I'm not delicate enough that I, you know, I see the people who like do a black and tan and they'll layer them. And no, I just pour one or the other. It's not, yeah. it's not rocket science. It's beer. You, you don't have a long spoon that you stir it with? No. No, I do okay. not. <laughs> I actually have a long spoon. I do not use it to stir my beer. Fair enough. When we were in college, we used to order a pitcher of whatever the cheapest beer they had on tap, which is normally a Miller Lite, and get a bottle of Guinness and just dump that into the pitcher. I can see that not being bad. <laughs> wasn't bad. Wasn't bad. <laughs> anyway, well, with that said, Diami, where can folks find you on the interwebs? I can be found on uh, Twitter at Diami Plotky or Instagram at Penultimate Woodshop. And how about you, Sean? I can be found on Twitter at SeanW78 and also on Instagram at SeanW78. How about you, Kyle? And you can always find me at Barton.Kyle on Instagram, the only platform that matters. And that just about wraps up this show. If you haven't already, please subscribe to us on any podcatcher of your choice. And follow us on the social medias. Uh, we're on Twitter, MWA underscore national. We're on Instagram, MWA underscore podcast. Um, so now... Go get yourself and our heart radio. Uh, what's that? And, and we're also radio. radio. We are. Oh, we are. Wow. Yes. Yes, we are. <laughs> um, but go get yourself a rocket, and um, to change tax a little bit, I'm going to challenge people to power carve it. Um, so with yeah, that, it could it could totally work. Yeah, exactly. Totally. <laughs> totally. Um, have a happy new year, and uh, we will speak to you soon. <laughs>